Please be seated. Welcome to the new year. Welcome to the new year. Here we are, beginning a new year as the church, and the church year doesn't begin with fireworks or great partying, but rather with penitence and supplication and clouds of smoke. Why? Well, a few reasons. Number one, we're reminding ourselves that the world is not what it should be, right? The world is not what it should be. I'm standing up here preaching to you, not feeling the best. You could probably hear it in my voice. And that is not what it should be. And yet, here it is. Sin still affects our world, right? With disease and famine, pestilence, rebelliousness, all those things that we sought the Lord's help on during the Great Litany. And the holy incense, the clouds that roll forth as we pray, remind us that we as the church are standing in the gates of Jerusalem, as we said in the psalm. But we long for the coming of the heavenly Jerusalem. And we know with certainty, with hope, that the Lord will will return with clouds descending and will bring that to us. So over the course of the last month, we've talked and celebrated the saints on All Saints Day. We've commemorated and commended the dearly faithfully departed. We've brought in our first fruits and thanked God. We've proclaimed that Christ is King and that His throne is forever last week. And today we start the story of salvation all over again with Advent 1. The story of redemption, the story of salvation. Advent, the word, comes from the Latin advenire, which means to come or to arrive. It means both, actually, to come or to arrive. And so we come and we await the arrival of our Lord. Look with me in your book of Common Prayer on page 127. Look on page 127 with me, briefly. What do you see as you open to that page? Or perhaps you know it by heart, even in this new prayer book. What's there? The Nicene Creed. That's right. And where do you see the English word or variant of it to come? There's two primary places. Four us and our, and our salvation, He came down from heaven. And He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Who is the He in both cases? Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, God Himself. During Advent, the church is historically focused on both of these comings of Christ. One has happened in the Incarnation as we'll hear on Christmas Eve, beautifully lit by those candles surrounding the Gospel book and in the congregation, He came and dwelt among us. And yet, one has not happened yet. The second coming of the Son of Man, which Jesus talks about today when He's referring to Himself in the Gospel. Both the Incarnation, celebrated at Christmas, and the Last Judgment are comings of Christ. 
Both are awe-inspiring events when we think about them. And the epistle appointed from Romans chapter 13 gives us instruction in what we're to do in this time between the two comings of Christ. Look what St. Paul writes, which Ryan read so well this morning. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. You'll also note that we began our service with a collect quoting that very phrase, to put off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. And so the apostles urging us, stay awake. Stay awake in worship, in mission, and in love. Stay awake in worship. Let's look at that real quick. I know sometimes it's hard, especially during sermons. But stay awake in worship. We're exhorted. Look at Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, where the prophet writes, It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, Come, there's that word again, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. The first thing which you may not have noticed is the phrase that begins that passage. In what days? In the latter days. Do you see it? In the latter days. When is that? Now. Now. Now is the day of salvation. The latter days is a phrase that gets used to distinguish the messianic age. The, the age that describes the coming of Christ after His first coming at Christmas. The coming of the Anointed One. Friends, ever since Jesus came that first time, we are in the latter days. And it seems like an eternity to us humans, but to God, 2,000 years is nothing. Of the things the prophet Isaiah says, our Lord Jesus fulfills those things that He foretells. And some of what's gone on in the Gospel has already happened too. When we look at the Gospel we see Jesus talking about the second coming of the Son of Man, but He there is standing before them after the first coming. Now for the ancients, the mountains, the high places were dwelling places of the gods. Anybody remember your Greek mythology? Where do the gods live in Greek mythology? Up on, yeah... Thank you, nice and loud. Mount Olympus, up on Mount Olympus. Well, well done. Yeah. That's the place of the gods, right? And what's Isaiah saying here? The house of the Lord shall be as high as Mount Olympus? No. It shall be higher yet. The highest place. And what the prophet here is saying is that the Lord is not existent 
at some high point above sea level. That's not what he's saying. But what he's saying is that the Lord is exalted and high and lifted up as is his house. As is his house. Friends, that's happened. The house of the Lord is the church. The place where God formally dwells and meets with his people is in the gathering and at the church where we gather. That's why this place is holy. That's why we have steeples that identify our churches. They're to point us to the highest place. They're a a signal, a sign that this is where the Lord dwells. That's why we build churches with high ceilings. It's not just to waste heat, right? And in years past, that was a big thing, wasn't it? Or to hold the incense that we love so much. It's not just for that, but it's to bring us up into the holy of holies to remind us that this is where our Lord dwells and that He calls us to come and to dwell with Him. And so, each year we begin with that great litany, gathering, coming before the Lord. Each year we're reminded that the church, that, that to come to church, to come to be in the presence of God, to come to the highest place in the Lord, the exalted place, is a great joy, friends. And that we stay to stand at the gates of Jerusalem. <clears throat> Look at verse 44 in our Gospel passage. Look, what does our Lord Jesus remind us? He says, Therefore, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So what's it mean to be ready for the Christian? Well, our Lord Jesus tells us, actually, in the very next verse. If you have your Bibles, you can look at it. Open with me to Matthew. Excuse me, to Matthew 24, verse 46. What does he say? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find doing so doing when he comes. Who then, in verse 45, is faithful and the wise servant? Whom is, the master, whom is his master has set over his household to give them their food and prosper in time? Blessed is the servant whom, is the master, whom his master will find doing so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will be set over all his possessions. But the wicked servant says to himself, My master is delayed, and begins to beat his fellow servants, and eats and drinks with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and in an hour that he does not know, and he will cut him to pieces and put him with the hypocrites. What our Lord here is saying, <clears throat> friends, is that it's not unclear what God expects of us as Christians. It's summed up in the commandments that we've been given. 
the Ten Commandments that we once a month start the, wor- the, the worship with. You shall have no other gods but me. You shall not make for yourself any idol. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Bishop J.C. Ryle, whom I've quoted before, 19th century Bishop of Liverpool, says this. He says, True Christians ought to live like watchmen. The day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. They should strive to be always on their guard. They should behave like a sentinel of an army in an enemy's land. For the Christian, the first way to be ready is to do what? Summary of the law. To love God with all of his self. And the second, like unto it, to love his neighbor as himself. The first duty of the Christian is to love God in worship and to be with his people in the congregation of the church. And everything else flows from that. The Lord Jesus, if the Lord Jesus returned to our local churches, how many Christians would he find AWOL? How many would he find that claim and profess him to be absent without leave? Stay awake in worship. Stay awake in devotion. Second, stay awake in mission. For Isaiah is prophesying more that in the Messianic age, all nations will stream into the house of the Lord beginning on the day of Pentecost. We saw that beginning in the book of Acts. That all nations are streaming to meet the Lord Jesus. We hear stories about it. Some of us have lived those stories abroad where all nations are coming to the Lord. And we also know that the will of God is that we live out our lives on mission too. The second half of the Ten Commandments outline that relationship with other people. Honor your father and mother. Honor you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet. These all have to do with human relationships. They all have to do with staying awake on mission. For we are on mission and witnessing about our Lord in all that we say and do. So in abiding by these things, we make ourselves ready for God and we also bring others to his holy house. Jesus puts that most simply when he says they can be summed up with, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And St. Paul today is quoting that in his passage in the 13th chapter of Romans. Verse 8, where he writes, Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling the law. True love is not doing wrong to one's neighbor. It's desiring what's best for the other person, just as our Lord desired what's best for us. It's acknowledging that God loves them and wants them to be part of his kingdom, that he values them. While our efforts here at St. Anselm are humble, I call on you to be part 
of fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy for the church here. As we begin another year together, stay awake not just in worship and on mission, but also in love. In love. Our weekly ministry to God on Sabbath is preparing ourselves, our hearts for the Lord as we've been talking about the last couple weeks. But it's also preparing and teaching our children. It's also preparing and teaching each other to sing together, to be fed in the Word and Sacrament as a common mission. It's equipping us for the task of love. And so, friends, our living out as our lives of our lives in community with one another and in reaching out in conversation with our neighbors with gentle challenges and contrasting ways is in order to bring others and ourselves back to the highest place in our life, the exaltation of worship of our Lord, and to bring others with us when we live utterly lives that are utterly dependent upon God as Christians, we rest secure only because we've been saved by the first coming of Jesus. And we remind ourselves of that. We also remind ourselves that we are preserved only by Jesus and that our lives are short. And finally, we're fulfilling the law of love to love God with all ourselves and to witness that to our neighbors. So when we stand guard on mission, ready for the second coming of Jesus, we do that by sharing the gospel with our families, our co-workers, our neighbors, our strangers, and perhaps not so evidently ourselves, because we need to hear it again and again and again. And so here we are once again, starting the story of salvation. Here we are once again bringing our supplications before the Lord, confessing to Him that we wish He would come and not tarry, and reminding ourselves to stay awake. Friends, Christ is coming. Stay awake. Amen.